1: It is Monday, April 18th, and this is People Every Day. Hey, hey, happy Monday, everyone. I hope you all enjoyed your holiday weekend. I'm still recovering from all the travel and much-needed family time. We've got a lot to catch you up on from the weekend, so let's just dive right in. Yesterday, like millions around the world, the UK's royal family gathered for their Easter celebrations. This year was the first time since the COVID-19 pandemic that the royal family was able to openly celebrate Easter in their traditional fashion at St. George's Chapel in Windsor Castle. William and Kate were joined for Sunday Mass by their two oldest children, Prince George, who's eight, and Princess Charlotte, who's six, which marked the first time the brother and sister were in attendance for Easter service with Mom and Dad. The Duke and Duchess of Cambridge were joined by William's cousins, Princess Eugenie, Peter Phillips, and Zara Tyndall and their families. Now, Prince Harry and Meghan did not attend the Sunday service, as the couple spent their weekend in the Netherlands. The two attended the opening ceremony for the Invictus Games on Saturday, the games which are now back from a two-year pandemic-induced hiatus. And it should be noted that Her Majesty the Queen was not in attendance as well. Queen Elizabeth is a devout Christian and head of the Church of England who regularly attends services in person and virtually, but in recent weeks the Queen has scaled back some public appearances. It was widely reported that her bout with COVID-19 did leave her more prone to exhaustion, and let's not forget she turns 96 this week. That said, it was nice to see most of the royal family out and about celebrating this weekend. Now for another royal family who was able to spend the holiday together surrounded by their loved ones. Princess Charlene of Monaco shared a photo of her family late Sunday afternoon. The photo features the princess, her husband Prince Albert, and their seven-year-old twins, Prince Jacques and Princess Gabrielle. Princess Charlene has notably been apart from her husband and her young children for quite some time due to ongoing health issues. But it appears she was able to spend the holiday at home with her family. The 44-year-old royal shared additional photos on her Instagram story, including one of the family in the palace's private chapel celebrating Easter Mass. With everything Princess Charlene and her family have gone through in the last few years, it's amazing to see them spending what looked like a beautiful day together. Now, moving from Europe's royals to music royalty, Lizzo made her SNL hosting debut over the weekend, where she took the time to address some of the rumors surrounding her dating life. The Grammy winner pulled double duty as host and musical guest, and as you probably picked up from her monologue there, she seemed to be having a ton of fun throughout the night. The Truth Hurt singer was in a wide range of sketches, including one about a trivia game show, another about Beanie Babies, and in another that centered around the Black Eyed Peas, coming up with the lyrics to their most popular hits from 2008. But the sketch I Have Seen Everywhere was one where she really showed off all of her talents. Lizzo played a talented flutist auditioning to be in an orchestra, but she can only play the flute while twerking. But of course. Needless to say, she went full-on Lizzo on this one. Not that! Nobody wants that! I mean... (laughs) I wouldn't say nobody. She was so good on SNL, you guys, and I'm so excited for her new album to drop. I sense a Lizzo summer takeover. And now, time to dig into some news surrounding one of the stars of the classic 80s film, Dirty Dancing. It's been 35 years since the beloved movie hit theaters and actress Jennifer Grey has a new tell-all memoir coming out that just needs to be discussed. I love the movie Dirty Dancing almost as much as my big sister who would watch it over and over and over again as a kid. Jennifer Gray, who, as we all know, plays baby in the film, has a new memoir out and it is juicy, you guys. The book is aptly titled Out of the Corner, and she talks about everything from her past romantic relationships to the nose jobs that she had to working with Patrick Swayze and so much more. So joining me now is People's Deputy West Coast Editor, Jason Sheeler. Hey, Jason. Hey, Janine. Before we jump into the book's contents, um, you spoke to Jennifer at her home, and and she told you why she decided to even write this book in the first place.
2: It's a really interesting idea that we tend to lie to ourselves, right? I completely related to her when she told me that, you know, we build these narratives in our head over time. And we tell ourselves that things happened a certain way, and we become convinced that things happen a certain way. And then we spend our lifetime responding to these legends that we've told ourselves. What Jennifer found in revisiting her journals in the writing of this book is that some of the things that she remembers and that she knew with absolute certainty— really didn't happen the way that she thought that Mm. they did. Then she really wrote this book to lay a history for for her own daughter, Stella, um, because she wants Stella to understand her own family's past.
1: She opened up about the two nose jobs that have made a lot of headlines over the years and how people didn't recognize her after she had them. Tell me more about this.
2: Jennifer always liked the way she looked. She she was born into a very well-known and famous acting family. Her father, Joel Gray, is um, an Oscar-winning actor. They were recognized when they would go out. She grew up completely anti-rhinoplasty. She liked the, the nose of her ancestors. She, she told me she liked her look. But her her mother, who who had also been a performer before she got married, just kind of set the stage for Jennifer by saying, if, if you want to act, if you want to be cast, if you want to make it, you're going to have to change your nose. And then ultimately, to get cast, to, to get more jobs to work, she underwent rhinoplasty once and was happy with it. It was kind of a slightly altered look. You know, people may not entirely notice And then to fix a slight complication from the first nose job, uh, she underwent a second procedure, Mm. and that's that's where it's a little more drastic. The first time she went out in public, after the second nose job, she was at a movie premiere, she sat behind Michael Douglas, he turned around, she's like, hi, Michael, and he didn't recognize her. And that's when she says that she, you know, began to feel invisible. And that's when this legend, you know, began that she was, you know, perhaps banished from Hollywood, that she was unrecognizable. And then people began to take ownership of her nose, right? People began to take ownership of her own narrative, that she was somehow addicted to plastic surgery, all of these mistruths and lies.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, well, let's talk about Jennifer's Dirty Dancing co-star, the late Mr. Patrick Swayze. So while Baby and Johnny were totally into each other in the film, things could not have been more different off-camera
2: Jennifer and Patrick had worked together on Red Dawn, mm-hmm. nuclear war, like you know, apocalyptic movie. The high school kids, you know, were like going up against the enemy. So there's a lot of pranks on, on Red Dawn. And So they knew each other from there. Patrick was a big carouser and a big practical joker on set, and so Jennifer was the first to be cast for Dirty Dancing, and then along came Patrick. And Jennifer was like, "It can't be this guy. It can't be this guy. Like, I, <laughs> like you know, we just there's just no chemistry. It just it's not right." So and Patrick got it, and they just they were not a Off-camera, they were not a natural fit. But, as Jennifer knows now, that slight tension, that slight, it's just not quite working. Well, that's what the whole movie's about. Because Baby and Johnny really weren't a good fit. Johnny did not want to be dancing with Baby, (laughs) you know? (laughs) She couldn't dance. It really worked. That tension really worked. And, And in fact, you know, she says, look, if I could say anything to Patrick today, it's that I really couldn't truly appreciate you exactly... As you are. And like that goes for so much of us in life, right? Like it just we just sometimes we just want someone to be slightly different so we're more comfortable instead of just fully accepting someone for who they are.
1: The one co-star that Jennifer did have chemistry with was Matthew Broderick, who she worked with on Ferris Bueller's Day Off. And she said she was really in love with him, right? Beyond in
2: love. She told me that there was something familiar about about Matthew. She had never dated a Jewish guy before, he grew up in the village, he, had, he was the child of artists. She's a thing she told me, she's got, I've got a thing about talent. I and mean, he was a, a white-hot star, you know, Brighton Beach Memoirs, and Torch Song Trilogy, and Ferris Bueller's, I mean, he was, War Games, you know, he's a huge, huge deal. Yeah. And she was really, really into his, into his talent.
1: One of the darkest moments in Jennifer and Matthew's relationship was that tragic car crash that they were in back in 1987. Two people were killed. It's just horrible. And for a while, neither of them said anything about it. So so what is Jennifer saying about it now?
2: Jennifer had never spoken about about this— extreme tragedy that, that happened. Like It's in the book and we spoke briefly about it, but it was like really heavy. You know, she said, it changed my life forever and there's no one to blame it. She, she's not here to to share some secret. You know, it, it's all out there. It was mm-hmm. just an accident and it was a tragic accident. I mean, two people were killed. Matthew was injured. She was injured. You know, Jennifer, years later, w- would have to have surgeries to even correct some of those injuries in, in her spine and wow. in her neck. And and she knows that it just is something that she's going to be holding on to forever.
1: Well, after her relationship ended with Matthew, she dated Johnny Depp. And she didn't hold back oh about my their gosh. chemistry together. What did she tell you about Mr. Depp?
2: Like, let's pause and think about this. So, Jennifer Grey <laughs> went from Matthew Broderick to Johnny Depp. And this is Johnny Depp, by the way, this is Johnny Depp's Circa 21 Jump Street. So he he hadn't really popped through yet. She's like, he's like a big deal in like the Tiger Beat scene, but Jennifer Mm -hmm. being like the incredibly cool girl she was. Like, she was, like, best friends with Madonna at the time, by the way. They don't even know who Johnny Depp really is. She just kind of thought he was hot. And <laughs> so, and she told me, like, she's like, there was some heat. Um, and she said it was like an effing bonfire.
1: Wow. Oh, I love a juicy celebrity memoir. Okay, and by the
2: way, I will tell you, at the time that she was dating Johnny Depp, do you know who she was living next door to, Janine? Who? Winona Ryder. <laughs> so, Jennifer went from Matthew to Johnny Depp, and then Johnny Depp went from Jennifer Grey Greta, Winona Ryder, and now your head just exploded.
1: Completely out of the corner is on shelves May 3rd. Jason, it's always great to have you on.
2: Good to talk to you. Thank you.
1: Well, guys, new strains, China on lockdown and a potential vaccine for infants. There is a lot of COVID news going on out there. So we're bringing in a top medical expert to give you an update on what's happening with COVID right now. But first... Coachella had its kickoff over the weekend, and there were some incredible performances that we absolutely have to talk about after the break. We'll be right back.
0: See Home slash delivery for details. I don't know.
1: We're back, and we've got to get into all of this Coachella news. On Friday night, Harry Styles made his presence known during a show-stopping set list as he closed out the night. The former One Direction singer opened with his brand-new single, As It Was, before belting out hits like Adore You, Watermelon Sugar, my favorite, and Golden. And then he had a surprise guest join him on stage. Man, I feel like a woman. That's right, Harry sang along with country star Shania Twain to her songs Man, I Feel Like a Woman, and You're Still the One. Needless to say, the crowd was loving it. Shania recently hinted on Access Daily that she and Harry may have a collab in the works together. But Harry and Shania weren't the only ones making headlines. Grammy Award nominee and Call Me Maybe singer Carly Rae Jepsen ended her prolonged hiatus. The singer premiered her new single, Western Wind. The song marks her first new music in two years. And her passionate fans have been going nuts on social media after Carly Rae teased an upcoming album. But there was another new single this weekend that debuted with a bang. Megan Thee Stallion trotted out a new diss track reportedly titled Use A Beat during her first ever Coachella performance. According to reporting by Pitchfork, the 27-year-old Sweetest Pie singer's new track samples Jodeci and Wu-Tang's freaking new remix and appears to take aim at an ex, and fans are speculating it's directed at rapper Tory Lanez, who allegedly shot her in the foot back in 2020. He later pled not guilty to those charges. So Megan prefaced the performance saying the song is quote very mother effing personal and dedicated to whom it may the f concern. Ooh. I don't know about you guys, but I am very eager to hear what more she has to say about this one. Every week, there seems to be new headlines about COVID-19 from the rise in cases around the globe that have led to shutdowns in China to changing CDC guidelines or the ongoing great debate about masking indoors or not. And also, as a mom of two... I- I'm always trying to remain in the know about what is going on when it comes to vaccinations and all of that. I'm so happy to have Vanderbilt University Infectious Disease Specialist and public health expert Dr. William Schaffner here to help break down everything there is to know about the latest developments surrounding COVID-19. Hi, Dr. Schaffner. Welcome back to the show.
3: Good to be with you, Janine.
1: So just when everyone thought we were nearing the end of COVID, a, a new variant has been detected, Omicron BA. that um, that scientists believe is more potent than the ones that preceded it. So what should we know about this particular variant, and how does it compare to the others?
3: Well, Janine, there are three important characteristics we look at for all variants. The first is, how contagious is it? And yes, BA2 is even more contagious than was Omicron, so it's spreading widely. Number two, does it cause more serious disease? No. So that's good news. And number three, and most importantly, can our vaccines still prevent serious illness that requires hospitalization from BA2? And the answer is yes. Now, you have to complete the series, get your two doses and the booster in order to get that extra layer of prevention.
1: COVID testing has really been a game changer with preventing the spread of the virus. And and now there's new testing technology that takes, what, less than five minutes? It's a breathalyzer that uses breath samples to diagnose COVID-19, right? So, so last week, the FDA granted emergency authorization. And people like myself really want to know about this. Well, there are an
3: awful lot of people working to make testing easier and faster. And this first breathalyzer out there that's gotten approval is a step in that direction. However, it requires a rather large piece of equipment. It's the size of a roller bag, and you have to be trained in order to do it. Mm. It can do about 100 tests a day. So as as it gets out there, we'll see where it's used, but there are others like it coming along.
1: Well, all parents with small children like myself are, are glued to the news updates regarding vaccines for kids. And we're hearing that testing has gone pretty well in very young children. So when when are you hearing we might be getting that first dose for the babies?
3: Janine, I think we're getting closer because it's taken a while to do those tests. Obviously, we want to be able to tell every mom and dad that when we use the vaccines, they're effective and safe in every age group. Pfizer is out there. Moderna is close behind submitting their data to the Food and Drug Administration. So let's give it another month or six weeks. But I think we'll get some, I hope, good news fairly soon.
1: Awesome. Well, Dr. Scheffner, the, the weather is heating up. Summer is coming, you know, with COVID infections on the rise. Uh, I have friends who are very torn, especially when it comes to the whole mass situation. There's just a lot of messaging out there, as always. What do you think? What's your take? Indoors, outdoors, always?
3: <laughs> Certainly outdoors is much safer than indoors and particularly indoors in large groups. And mm. then we should remember If you're older, if you are frail, if you have underlying illnesses, including diabetes, heart disease, lung disease, if you're immune compromised, those people should continue to wear a mask and be cautious and be careful about social distancing and getting into large groups. The rest of the population, I think, can be a bit easier about it if you're vaccinated fully.
1: So what about the next booster shot? I have so many friends asking, like, when? Is it six months? So
3: we're talking about the second booster, really the fourth injection. That's currently recommended for people age 50 and older, but particularly people older than 60, particularly if you have an underlying illness. And if you're younger than 60 and you have an underlying illness, please Think seriously about getting that fourth booster.
1: There are so many questions right now about what is happening in China and and the lockdowns. Do you have any insight into what the situation is there and what it could mean for the U.S.?
3: Well, the Chinese have had a no-COVID policy. So they have been very, very strict in application of all these interventions, including their own vaccine. And without getting into a big discussion, there are a lot of us who think that their vaccines are not quite as good as our mRNA vaccines. So now, as this highly contagious BA2 variant is starting to spread, it's causing more disease in China.
1: Well, Dr. Schaffner, you always deliver the facts. Thank you so much for coming on.
3: My pleasure. And to everyone, stay safe.
1: Any of you who follow me on Instagram know that I alone packed up the kids and dog for a little five-hour road trip to see my family this weekend. I am so proud of myself for making it, and my something to make you smile today is something that made me crack up and stay alert as I was in the midst of this long journey. So I've never really driven that far by myself, especially at night. And I, of course, drank coffee. I, I queued up the new White Eagle true crime podcast. I listened to some Cardi B. Once the kids were asleep (laughs) to stay pumped up. And then with about 100 miles left, I, you know, was starting to get bored. I I tried to do some grade school mental math that humbled the crap out of me, you guys. I was like, oh, I'm going 80 miles an hour and I have 95 miles to go. Exactly how long will it take me to get there? Well... (laughs) It took me getting there to figure out because my long division skills are now non-existent and all I could do was just laugh as I crunched number that was wrong number after wrong number. It's sad but true. (laughs) And that fruitless number crunching is what carried me through to my destination. Thank you all for downloading and listening again today. Enjoy the rest of your evening and we'll see you back here tomorrow for another episode of People Every Day.